P.S. I Love Hoffman is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Do you think Anthony Hopkins likes going by Anthony or like, and I've heard Anthony Hopkins. Like it sounds like people have said, like other actors have said Anthony. Like, like just, Mark Anthony, like no yeah, TH. Yeah, like just like that very Italian, like Anthony, he's such a good boy. No. No? I've never heard that. Tony Hopkins. Sir, yes. Tony Hopkins. <laughs> What's like Tone. the other, yeah, like everyone says, like, you know, like Bob De Niro. It's oh, like, I hate that. Bob De Niro. Like, I don't get if he just, like, becomes friends with someone and he's like, oh, I'm Bob. It's like, yeah. still, like, I don't You're know. Not, Robert like, De Niro will never be Bob. Yeah. Like, you know, again, if, my we're, just, Bob, my if we're promoting Bob. a film and we're talking about, like, and, and the actor's talking about his, like, working with Robert De Niro, I don't care if you've become friends with him, just still in the talking about a movie refer to him as Robert just for like us you know no but you know that's a whole the whole name drop thing yeah exactly you know? oh it's, Bobby D yeah that's <laughs> like oh yeah Bob was over my house yeah, Tony Hopkins and Anthony Anthony Hopkins Anthony what is he Welsh yes I believe he's Welsh I know that from the trip Oh really? Well, because he, yeah, he's oh, like, because, he, yeah. He, the triumphant. It's like Tom Jones, Anthony Hopkins, and I love that Rob Brydon. Two Welsh people starred in Zorro. Who? Him and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Oh, I didn't know. I was like, is Tom Jones in Zorro? <laughs> because he was in like Mars Attacks. Wait, Tom Jones is Welsh. I'm oh sorry, yeah, I just missed you saying that. Yeah, Tom Jones is Welsh. That's weird. It's mentioned in the trip a lot. <laughs> I have to go see the third one. Iggy Pop. Amen. Let him write. I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat. We crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy Cooking. Why don't you have some fun? Fun, fun. Tommy, oh, that's a okay, Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her. I'm gonna hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish. <laughs> I'm always home. I'm on cool. This is a process of dehumanization. Shut, 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 shut up! Hey, fans! Welcome to this week's edition of the P.S. I Love Hoffman podcast, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always uncool, and we're always ready to talk great movies. And today we're talking about, um, I guess our first real horror film or horror thriller. Yeah. We had, we had kind of a horror comedy before. With my boyfriend's back. Yeah, but this and is this is definitely a different. This, I mean, that's genre. much more closer. Like this is like a horror thriller, but that one, whatever you want to call it, horror comedy, like that is much more like campy comedy. This is yeah. This is not really camp. Yeah, no, this is definitely not camp. I mean, this is it's interesting because you look at well, we have we even said it. Red yeah, Dra- Red Red Dragon is the, the film, film is Red Dragon. Yeah, so it's the third and final performance. By Sir Anthony Hopkins as uh, the character Hannibal Lecter, and, and and it's one of now so many of this like on-screen Hannibal uh, material, the yes. Hannibal legend. It, does it have a name like the Hannibal saga? Because not, not everything's in the same universe, obviously. Because the new series, or the it's not on anymore, but the newest thing was the series, right? Yeah, and that's not on the same. No, that universe, was its own. And, no, the only three that were in the same universe are the. Well, I guess Hannibal. Hannibal Rising, Rising I think, is, is in the cons- same universe, technically. Yeah, technically. But, but not, def- uh, definitely not the same actors, but. Silence of the Lambs, and then I, I read. I didn't think 
it was this close in time, but it was only a year before that Hannibal came out before Re- Only a year before? Yeah, like a year or two at the most. It must have been like, oh, Silence of the Lambs did well, let's do this, let's do this, okay, let's give them two sequels. Yeah, I mean, Silence of the Lambs was like 91, though, and then this is 2002, so I mean, gotcha. Hannibal was directed by Ridley Scott. It's not good. No, I haven't seen it in a very long time. No, I I just remember it kind of. Like, it got like smashed by critics. Did did well in the box office, but and, but um, what's his, Julianne Moore? Yeah, is in it, and she was nominated for best actress, really or supporting actress. Ah. Yeah, because she's one of the few people. And now we're going off on a tangent. I understand this, but <laughs> she's one of the few people. Oh, to play like to yeah. pl- to be nominated for, uh, the same character. Yeah, as. But she didn't win, of course. Like Jerry a Bobby Foster. D scenario. Bobby as, D, as yes. <laughs> Robert De Niro. <laughs> For The Godfather, famously, Marlon Brando. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. But, of course, we are talking about this film because our guy, Phil Sumer Hoffman, is in it. Yeah, it's interesting. So, again, we're getting, like, a little bit of uh, I mean, it's cool that he's in, a like, a, bi- a bigger movie. You know, this is definitely, like, a, it got, like, an October release. I watched the trailer for it this morning. It's oh, kind of really? cheesy. It definitely, like, sold the, like, uh, not a Halloween vibe, but definitely, like, oh, Halloween's coming up and you want to be scared, go see this movie. Like, Yeah, uh, I, I think, and, and we'll get into this later, but I think there were really, obviously Hopkins won the Academy Award for Silence of the Lambs. Yes. But I think they were really trying to spin off Hannibal, like a Jason you know, like yeah. a Freddy Krueger. And it's he's so much more like, I don't know. He doesn't, he's not, doesn't go with like the cheesy horror monster. No. I, well, I read something that Anthony Hopkins decided to come back a third and final time because he felt that Hannibal, you know, like the, so the Ridley Scott sequel made Hannibal a little bit too much of like an anti-hero in a way. You know, like, he gets away in the end of that film. So Hannibal, technically, in the world, is still, you know, at large. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, English Lessons. Yes. No. <laughs> at, By Sir Anthony Hopkins. I haven't seen that movie again probably since, like, blockbuster times. So I didn't even remember that he got released from prison. I just remember that it wasn't great. And it was kind of, even at the time, I remember them saying, like, He well, fed Ray Liotta... Ray Liotta's brain, so that's kind of cool. Because <laughs> wow, like I remember people being like, "Wow, Anthony Hopkins did such a good job." And um, not that I don't think he did a bad job on Hannibal, but like Silence of the Lambs is a one of the all-time great films. Yes, and Jonathan Demme, right? Yeah, and Hannibal just <sighs> yeah, but I think he brought it in this film. Yeah, and there's definitely some that. chilling moments, and it definitely I think this film brought it back to like. The Silence of the Lambs, like, roots of, like, definitely that more, like, thriller. They certainly tried, and sometimes they hit that really heavy. Yeah. But before all that, let's get down to some business, shall we, Kyle? Sure. So we've really been liking your feedback on our Facebook page and on social media. We thought your comments have been awesome lately. And we just wanted to give a shout-out to some random comments we picked. We're not singling these out because we think they're, like... Better than the other yeah, comments. Yeah, but like one from each of like, you know, recent episodes. Yeah, just 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 some stuff that uh, tickled our fancy a bit. Yeah, so we just want to thank Eric for sharing a great article on uh, Schenectady, New York. Yeah, can't wait to talk about that film. Yeah, that's going to be a really fun one. And 
Then Jennifer commented on uh, Love Liza, just you know, showing her hometown pride for Mobile, Alabama, and that's you know that's how that's where they filmed that movie. Yeah, I think we talked about them filming in the South there. So yeah, that, so that's kind of cool that's that cool. she got to experience and realize that, and she loves the film Love awesome. Liza. So if you you haven't checked out that film yet, definitely check it out. It's worth uh, worth a view. And then uh, Lonnie sharing his knowledge. This sounded really cool, actually. Uh, Lonnie sharing his knowledge on the almost famous director's cut and it having, uh, you know, like some more tracks of the band and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, Still, six Stillwater Still Water songs. Yeah, and that's and really cool. I need to find that. Apparently, extended. I had no idea there was a director's cut like that. I need to yet. check on Amazon if there's like a used copy or a, one I can still buy for like probably like a hundred bucks or something. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely something uh, we need to check out. But yeah, just, uh, you know, those are just. A few of the people, great people that uh, Hoff fans that have been commenting, and uh, yeah, so we just want to thank you guys. Yeah, thank you so much. And even this episode, please comment, share, even if they're negative comments, we'll take them. We love hearing your feedback, and thanks so much. Yeah. So today's episode, Red Dragon. I I enjoy this movie every and time. You'd I watch seen it, it before. Yes, clearly. I've seen it several times i'd seen it like once or twice not in a while yeah. it, it's a good movie it's not silence of the lambs no it's not silence of the lambs it does it doesn't not, nothing against uh, my main man brett ratner but <laughs> it just doesn't have the aesthetic just like the film language that of one of the mo- honestly it is one of the most genius films of all time silence of the lambs even you can even watch it today and you get a little chilled at certain scenes oh yeah know? it's just an absolutely terrifying film and just has some of the greatest performances, some of the most memorable characters, and obviously that comes from the novel and a great screenplay. Yeah, which, we should, which we won should say this screenplay. is based on a series of novels. Yeah, book series. And so this is from the first one. Which, uh, correct me was if I'm adapted wrong. before. Yes, it was adapted before. Manhunter. Is yeah, it was the name called Manhunter. Um, have have by, you ever seen that one? Was, no. Uh, I've only seen clips of Brian Cox's performance, who's a fantastic actor and he played Hannibal in that um and also has I always forget the actor's name but he's from like uh CSI like the original CSI in like Vegas oh um, that guy yeah William hair. Peterson yeah. is that him yeah. I'm not sure I know what you're talking about I didn't realize yeah. he's in this movie Dennis Farina I know is in this movie he's like a Ooh. like a old timer kind of <laughs> I think he, I think he passed away but. yeah Recipe stands for Yeah, he was great. He was a great Chicago. We were in Chicago recently. <laughs> yeah, we were. He was a great Chicago. Um, for Almost Famous, check that episode out. Yeah. Um, no, I, I had not ever seen this film. I yeah. knew that... Manhunter like, directed by Michael Mann? Michael, Michael Manhunter. Man <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a Michael Mann film, so... Yeah. Do you know if it got, like, good reviews? Or? It got, No, that's the whole thing. It didn't do well in the box office. came out in, like, 1986, I want to say. Didn't do well in the box office, but is... Revered by critics as like a good film, it's you know it's the same uh, distributor, too. It's yes, like... as Silence of the Lambs, and then it moved over to Universal. Oh no no no, studio yes, but De Laurentiis is the producer. De, oh, De Laurentiis okay. of all these films. So wow. I guess he just decided to reboot Red Dragon, probably you know capitalizing on the Silence of the Lambs. Well, you just if you have an opportunity to work with Anthony Hopkins again to have him repeat an Oscar-worthy performance, you might as well do it. Yeah. And you got and you built up an all-star cast of Ed Norton, Rafe Fiennes. Come on, he's one of the Ray greater. Rafe Fiennes, yes. Spelled Ralph. Again, yeah, Ralph. Again, he's someone, you know, I would call him <laughs> Ralph, Ralphie Fiennes. <laughs> Ralphie Fiennes. And then uh, Harvey Keitel, who, you know, has obviously, like, fallen off in la- latter years, but he does a decent job as the character of Jack Crawford. 
He's better uh, as Judas in The Last Temptation of Christ. Oh, oh, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Watch that movie if you don't get that joke. Yeah. Well, it's not really a joke. And then we've got uh, Emily Watson coming back. We just covered her in Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, so somebody who's worked with Phil before. Not a great role, but Mary Louise Parker is in it, and I, I love her. <laughs> and uh, and then, of course, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes, Philip As Zimmer another Freddie. As another Freddy, I was yeah. going to say. Freddy Lowndes. So, Kyle, I don't know if you saw this, but once again, this is another film that Jack Black was up for the part for. Yep. That was crazy. Fantastic. Oh, poor Jack Black. Poor Jack Black. <laughs> I mean, it was a small... It was just... I, I kind of started saying it before, but it was a bit of a step back. Yeah. But it is cool that he's in, like... Again, this is, like, a bigger movie, but... There Not is too many that Hoffman scenes. Definitely, we're, yeah, the clip that we're definitely going to play for you later is just like a meaty, you know, really good between Rafe and, uh, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And it's like a nice five minute, just like a chewy scene. And so he gets that great time with another great, uh, you know, character actor, such as Rafe Fiennes. And, you know, that's, that's definitely a big part. And a huge compliment out to Philip Seymour Hoffman, another trivia thing I know we both read is that Anthony Hopkins asked Brett Ratner, at first Brett Ratner was actually, I read this in the trivia and then I read an article where it went a bit more into detail. And Brett Ratner was a little nervous at first because he gets a call from Anthony Hopkins saying, oh, can I come to set on, you know, like a day off you know, that I have and, and uh, you know, just come to set and visit it. And he's like, oh, is, is something wrong? Do we need to talk about something? He's like, no, I just saw on the call sheet that Philip Schumer Hoffman is in this movie and I'm a big admirer of his. Wow. So I want to come see him act. That's amazing. That's awesome. And That's then amazing. Brett Ratner, after Philip Schumer Hoffman, you know, completed his scenes and stuff like that, then let him know. And he said he was, you know, Philip Schumer Hoffman said he was very humbled by it. I mean, because, yeah, I mean, you know, again, Anthony Hopkins not doing. He's you know been playing Odin for a couple of years now in the <laughs> Thor movies. Hasn't been doing much, but uh, but he is. He's just one of the. I mean, greater... Westworld. Oh wow! Yeah, I yeah. Mean, that's that screw was... me. <laughs> Pretty big. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Hoffman's performance here? I love it. He plays the role of. Uh, spoiler alert, he gets captured by our main villain in this movie, the Tooth Fairy, a.k.a. Red Dragon, a.k.a. Francis, Francis Dollar, Dollar... How do you say it? Do, uh, Dollarhide? Dollarhide, yeah. yeah. And he gets captured by him and killed, but just the... the again, the clip that we're going to play, the, he just p- plays... Well, two things. He plays such a slimy character that just as far as like a, a, a we'll even label him a C or D level uh, bad guy in this movie, <laughs> and then just flips the coin to just like terrified. He just plays two very great emotion, you know, driven characters. So ready to have your mind blown? Go should please. This is the first or. I could have missed something because I don't dig through all critical reviews. Okay. This is the first film that we've done together that I've actually seen a couple negative reviews for Philip Seymour Hoffman's performance. Ooh. Which, I mean, most people loved it. Most people really liked it. His performance? His, but Yeah, his performance in the okay. film. But there are, like, one guy, uh, J.R. Jones from the Chicago Reader, Who's called the top critic? I'm going back to Chicago. <laughs> Who's called the top critic according to Rotten Tomatoes? Okay, 
said, Frank Whaley and Philip Seymour Hoffman play minor characters so annoying that they might as well wear t-shirts saying, eat my brain. All right. <laughs> what's it, what's hey, it, what's his, I don't what's, agree. what's his name? J.R. Jones. J.R. Jones, you're on watch. <laughs> so the main criticism of this film, though, mm-hmm. um, is that it was just trying too hard to be Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, well, Brett Ratner, he's kind of this... He was really, um, from an early age, brought in by actually Steven Spielberg. And kind oh, really? Of, yeah, and kind of groomed a bit. They are chosen ones. <laughs> um, Members of the tribe. <laughs> L'chaim. L'chaim. Uh If anyone gets laid tonight, it's because of Eric Bana in Munich. <laughs> <laughs> People, what movie is that? And you'll get a Philip Seymour Hoffman prize. Yes, trivia. Yeah. Trivia right there. What movie is that from? Yeah. If any of us get laid tonight, it's because of Eric Bana. <laughs> anyway, I, so I think, you know, if you're, if you're kind of groomed and brought in by one of the greatest filmmakers of all time, you probably, and not that I see this in his films, but you probably just have a bit of like, I need to pay homage to these people, or like a little bit of like, well, they did it, I can't do, almost like a pressure, like I can't do it better, so I might as well try to be or do what they did. So I think in this case, you know, they tried to bring it back to that vibe. And again, Jonathan Demme, one of the greatest directors, filmmakers of all time. Yeah, and I think, though, a lot of... Um, I know Hannibal, I think, was successful in the box office, but it was critically panned. Mm-hmm. I think they wanted to go back to that Science of the Lambs feel. Yeah. And honestly, I'm 50-50 on this. Yeah, a lot of it feels like they're trying too hard at certain points. But it did restore more of the Science of the Lambs feel rather than the forced feel of Hannibal, if that makes yeah, sense. Hannibal tried to make it almost like set mostly in Italy, so I, I don't want to say it had like a James Bond like country hopping vibe, but it almost made this like glamorous like Hannibal abroad kind of vibe <laughs> to it. Well, like, I think it's maybe what he said that kind of made him like an anti-hero. Yeah, like it was just too much it became because there was there was this really weird I don't know how much you remember of that film but you had a great actor playing this really stupid role of this like victim of Hannibal Lecter's and it was played by Gary Oldman really? yeah he's caked under that makeup he's like really scarred and he gets fed to the pigs at the end I don't remember it's just a really that weird sounds... character in this weird scene Gary wasn't I mean? playing the pigs yeah exactly it was Gary Oldman you get you know you get your dollars worth when you, hire, <laughs> when you hire Gary Oldman, but yeah. So they, you know, again, they brought it back to its roots. I mean, I mean, there's no doubt this has a very, like, the style they tried to make it. But just from the story point of view, it's again Hannibal assisting from a jail cell. So it is very similar. Which, just in that, but, I mean, it's, they're taking that from the book, so it's not. No, I know. You can't 100% blame Brett Ratner for that. So Brett Ratner, of some of the films that we've talked about most in our lives, probably, Rush Hour. Yeah, Rush Hour, Rush Hour 2. <laughs> Rush Hour 3. Rush Hour 3. One of uh, the X-Men. Yeah, X-Men 3. Uh, f- Family fam- Man. Family Man. Nick, for those... Uh, yeah, for Cage Club out there, Family Mike, Man. Michael Manzi and Joey Lewandowski. Family yeah. Man, Cage Club. Check it out at cageclub.me. They That's filmed that right around M-E. where we grew up. Oh, really? Yeah, in eighth grade, I remember, and everyone was like, oh, it's a Tom Hanks movie. It's like, no, it's in the cage. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, he's a, I mean, he's a decent enough filmmaker, but so when you're just going toe-to-toe with Sounds of Lambs, most people are going to... Of course, f- of course. Not, I don't want to say fail, but it's just not going to surmount 
to that. He's probably the, the well, I don't know who directed the Hannibal Rising. Anyone of note? I'm not sure, but I was going to say... No, that, and I mean, that got, like, really... That one, very much, if people thought that Hannibal made him into an anti-hero, Hannibal Rising, really, that just ruined... Any any prequel, like, prequel, prequel, like, giving explanation yeah. to uh, mass murderers and stuff <laughs> like that, like, they make it that, like, he was growing up in Russia, and Russian soldiers, like, kill and eat his sister. And that's how he... Oh, my God. Like, that's and then stupid. that's just... I wonder yeah. if that's based who on who directed book as well. it. Peter Weber. Yeah, I'm not too sure who that Sorry, is. Sorry, I don't know the career of Peter Weber. <laughs> I would say Brett Ratner of so far until Hannibal Rising is kind of the weakest uh, name. Even after doing all those films, you have Michael Mann. Yeah. You have Jonathan, Jonathan Demi. Demi. Even Ridley Scott is. I mean, even of though course. He, he didn't do a great. No, job he is ultimately there. Ridley Scott has made much better films. Then Brett Ratner is a better filmmaker, even though I don't like the whole new way that the Aliens franchise is going. But, I mean, come on, we've got a new Blade Runner coming out that he produced, and then obviously he directed the original. And there's just so many great movies that Ridley Scott did. But I will say, I like this more than Hannibal. Yeah, I mean, Brett and Ratner... And I haven't, but I haven't seen Manhunter, so I can't... I will, for now, say, you know, Silence of the Lambs... Uh, Red Dragon, Hannibal. But Hannibal you could Rising. make the strongest argument, I think, that, that this is Brett Ratner's best film. This, or I would say, I would say, off my feelings, Family Man. But. Fair. I mean, yeah. but that's the, like. Uh, this is. This is his biggest attempt at, like, I don't know. A, because, I mean, X-Men, the, whatever X-Men he nah, does, gets shit on all the time. Yeah. Um, I like Rush Hour 2. Oh, yeah. No, I love the Rush... <laughs> no, I mean, that's the whole Rush thing. Rush Hour 3 like, is not that great. No. Rush Hour and Rush Hour 2 are great action comedy movies. Money Talks is another movie he did with, with Chris Tucker. Oh, yeah. But this is not the Brett Ratner podcast, unfortunately. No, no, no. This is the Philip Seymour Hoffman podcast. Yeah, and uh, one other, before we get like kind of get talking about the movie, one other interesting thing, and it pertains to next week's episode, is that Ed Norton, uh, he says that he took every penny from like that he made on this film to help finance The 25th Hour, which again will be the episode, the film that we cover next week. Ah, yeah, with so, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, with Phil, yeah, well, we don't of course. Ed Norton. <laughs> of Ed no, Norton. we're not switching to an Edward Norton, you know. <laughs> I thought it was funny, um, Colin, Colin Bressler, on yeah. last week's episode, thought that Philip Seymour Hoffman might have been in Keeping the Faith. Oh, yeah. With Ed Norton. Which, we yeah. And there's another actor in here. Ken Long. Yeah, who's yeah. also in Keeping the Faith. And X-Men 3, directed by Brett Ratner. Oh, oh. mind blown. Six Degrees of Ken Long, or whatever his name <laughs> <Yeah>. is. <laughs> Anywho. So this movie starts out... This might have been the worst part of the film to me. Really? This I, I enjoy this opening. I did not enjoy this opening. Okay. And here's why. This is the most obvious thing to me. That he looks that like, much older? Huh? That he looks that much older, Anthony Hopkins? Oh, no, not like, even that. Okay. This is the most obvious thing to me. Let, let's tie this into Silence of the Lambs. This, this will be funny, you know? Like, yeah. And I, I, it's just too... Like, what are we eating? Ha ha. You know? To, I didn't mind him like going to the 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 dinner party. I didn't like so the much. dinner party. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't mind well, going yeah, to the opera. Yeah, it starts out with him at the opera, and this like what flautist is screwing up or whatever. And you just yeah. see like and he's upset. Yeah, him like cringing and stuff like that. 
I didn't mind the angle that they were going with and yeah. showing this story. I but th- just these very fake, like, high society people, you're saying? Yeah, because that's not the tone of the film. Yeah. You know? And I thought they were doing too many, like, cues. Haha, cheeky, look at the, cheeky. Yeah, look at the camera. No, like, look at the camera. Silence of the Lambs. Look at the camera. Like, yeah. oh, I kill people and make them eat them, and I eat them yeah. too, you know? Oh, I, there's Chianti at the table, you know? Fantastic. Like, it, it's it's... <laughs> It's. I fully expected Anthony Hopkins to look at the camera, stare, and be like, you know, you remember guys, remember, right? Remember, I want an yeah. Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and that part bothered me. But I do really like that first interaction between Anthony Hopkins and Ed Norton. Yeah, so his character's name is Will Graham. Oh, did I even kind of... I didn't give my... I didn't give my uh... Oh, yeah. Why don't you tell everyone what this movie's about? Sure. Red Dragon is about retired FBI agent Will Graham played by Edward Norton, coming back to help on a new deadly case, but he has to receive assistance from the most notorious ser- serial killer of them all, who who he just happened to take down, Hannibal Lecter. Sounds good. You, are you an Ed Norton guy? I like Ed Norton. He's, he, you know, like, I, I mean, I, I could see, he's been in some great movies, he's had some memorable performances, so he's totally an actor that I would get if someone said, like, oh, he's my favorite actor. It's like almost like on the same like I don't, he's just not necessarily one of my favorite actors. I almost like him more in like supporting roles. Like I really liked him in uh, Grand Budapest hmm. Hotel. I don't you know just like or yeah. I like or I like him in ensembles. I mean this is an ensemble, so like I mean he he does a very good job here. Uh, I grew up not hate my mother hates Ed Norton really. Because did she ever give like a good reason why? I I don't know if I it's fair that it's a good reason, but she did give her reason. Did they go my on mother a date? Being, no, I wish. <laughs> my mother, being a Latina, was offended that Ed Norton left Salma Hayek because they were together at one oh, point. Oh so wow! Was, I'm offended, kind of. She was always yeah. offended by that. Wow! So I'd be like watching an Ed Norton movie. She'd always be like, "Ah, oh, turn that guy Adios off." Adios, Mia. Yeah, no. <laughs> She's like, she'd be like, "I don't want to see that guy." <laughs> I'm like, come on, come on, really? Yeah, <laughs> and she Selma also got over it. Not, not to bring go back to this, but like she also really. I remember like watching Keeping the Faith. She's like, that's the dumbest premise ever. It, well, I mean, it's such a <laughs> standard a priest, priest you know, and a rabbi, yeah. and a blonde walk into a bar. Or but uh, so, how do you think he does in this film? I think he does a good job because he he plays a very good, like level-headed character you know like the the conscience level-headed vulnerable though yeah um i think that like the blonde dye job was the best well yeah they give him like the bleach hair because he's supposed to be living down in marathon florida or whatever but what i was gonna say is i really do like this opening little interaction between will and hannibal will yes because you see hannibal toying yeah toying or trying to toy with him yeah and you see ed norton's character and he's do you think he actually didn't know it was Hannibal at that point, or do you think he? No, was... if you know, you go in full squad and you. Okay, that's what I figured. Yeah, but like I, I could see an interpretation like he's trying to play the game along with Hannibal. Yeah, so I mean, Will is supposed to be this like really talented, like they allude to it, like Jack Crawford, uh, you know, played by Harvey Keitel, 
like alludes to it like oh you have so i mean and hannibal says it too like you have such an imagination like that's what makes you a better agent and being able to figure all this crazy stuff out i've only seen a few episodes of the hannibal tv series like it has really diehard fans yeah but they definitely again this is from the few episodes that i've seen they definitely make will because he's the star of the show besides hannibal like Mm -hmm. it's about like that time and I don't know the actor that plays him, but they definitely make him a bit more, almost, I want to say, like, on the spectrum, like, on, like, a savant, like, almost sees things in a way, like, has to take medication to calm his visuals down of, like, him coming into a scene and piecing piecing everything ever together. Hugh Dancy as well. Okay. And so... Mads Mikkelsen? Mads Mikkelsen. Mikkelsen, that's how it's pronounced. Famous Dutch actor. Yeah, no, he's great. He's awesome. He's a very good Hannibal. Yes, and so they almost make it, you know, like in, did you ever watch like Dexter and he would come in and he'd be like, okay, yeah. and so the blood splatter, like just like even more intense than that and he would have to take medication to calm himself down and that's why like even in the TV show they're bringing him back in and he's almost like he's happy just being a professor at this point. And mm. he's just, but this film, he does it more, I mean, he gets injured by Hannibal, he gets stabbed uh, it, like pretty pretty bad, and it's so it's so chilling the way he's just like, oh, you're gonna feel like a you know warm yeah. sensation right now. The only thing is, like you know, obviously Ed Norton doesn't die here. It's not like yeah. a ghost movie, so it's a little bit. But then he gets to stab Hannibal with, I guess he had like some arrows in his office, and he's like, as far as a cl- eclectic, <laughs> yeah, you know. that was kind of funny. And then uh, and then he shoots him a couple times too. We should mention that this is a period piece, but probably yeah, only because so... it has to be. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they go out of their way to remind you that this is now. Well, I guess it's supposed to be like 1990 for the most. Yeah, I guess the beginning was just yeah. Then says some years. So I guess it's like the late 80s, and then some years later, Will retires down to Marathon with his wife and his son, and then Jack Crawford brings him back in because now there's Jack Crawford, Harvey Keitel. Yes, brings him back in. I like the like I like the original take on Jack Crawford. Yeah, it's played by um, oh god, why am I blanking on that? Scott Glenn. Scott Glenn. And he he plays uh, his most recent things have been he was a character on the Leftovers, which uh, the series finale was you know at the end of like or the middle of this summer, and he's also uh, been on uh, the Marvel series Daredevil, and then the uh, Defenders as Stick. Cool. So that's what he's been doing later years. But yeah, I like I like that character in Science. Labs. See, and but they couldn't do the same character, not just of the actor. Uh, you know, Harvey Keitel is going to play things his way. Yeah, but that character is clearly he very... plays it like the same as National Treasure. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> Other cage. He's going to see like a Mason Cage Club Me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> it's funny because you're right. Yeah, well, you're going to say the ring. The, yeah, uh, the, the Mason he, ring, right? He was a Freemason the whole time. No, but um, that Jack Crawford is kind of like a dick, and he's kind of like a little bit like sexist towards Clarice and stuff. Yeah. And you don't really see that. Like, this Harvey Cattell's more of a, like, I... Down to business. Yeah, like, down to business. I'm a cop, you yeah, know? Like, yeah. <laughs> and so it's a little... Hey, it, yo, Jesus. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little different portrayal, you know? Yeah. But, um, I mean, he's, I still think he does a good job, but I don't see that as the same person. But we also get two other returning characters. You get the character of Barney and Dr. Chilton, uh, yeah, came back, and, and we'll get to them definitely in the Hannibal scenes. And Frankie Faison, yeah. that guy, who's Barney, I believe, yeah, is in another Hoffman film. I can't remember which one because we've talked oh, about really? him. 
Oh. And I'll look it up while we discuss. Okay, yeah. So he get you know he gets brought back in because these two families have been murdered in the same ways, very very gruesome murders, and Will you know goes in because he just has he has a conscience. He just he says to his wife like, "How can I?" Yeah, I thought that was a little too easy. It's a little easy, but that's like I don't know. I mean, there's I know there's some people out there like that, so I I accepted it. It wasn't it wasn't slo- it was easy, but it wasn't sloppy. So I accepted it. I thought they didn't do a good enough job on making this seem like this was the case they needed to bring him back for. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, or like, they could listen, I, I haven't called you since. Yeah, it's been. They could have. I know it's said several years later, but they been. They could have been like, you've said no to this case or this case, or or no. Actually, it would have been better if they said like, listen, we haven't called you, so you yeah. know this is yeah. bad. It's. I mean, they kind of say like, oh, what have you kept out of the papers? It's just one of those. I mean, once we see it, we get why he comes back because they they are these gruesome. But I get what you're saying that they could have given like a little bit more. There could have been a bit more of exchange between Keitel and Norton to like kind of set up like the urgency of Will Graham coming out of retirement. But let me say this: that kind of plays part into this is a very fast-paced film. So it's like an hour and forty-five, hour fifty minutes. This movie. It's, it's two. Is it two? Yeah, almost like two o two. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I thought I, I watched it. Uh, Money for nothing. Frankie Faison is in. Oh yeah, he's the truck driver yeah. for the money. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Just cool. There to, we go. It was bothering me. Yeah, no, that's good. I think we definitely mentioned in that episode. I feel he's like. also in. He's in Manhunter, but a different character. He's a different way. character in Manhunter, but he's also in The Wire, which is also yeah. in Baltimore. Oh. A very different Baltimore. Though, very different Baltimore. <laughs> but. This, but it still is. It's a very fast-paced film, and I want and I want to say, like, point out that definitely one of like the longer and meatier scenes is the one that we get between Philip Seymour Hoffman and Ray Fiennes. Like, you know, what I'm saying there's a lot of fast-paced scenes, a lot of back and you know. F- yeah, it's a slower forth, scene, and that's oh, in and, a good way. Yeah, and it's I think it's a testament to again both both of those. Act- it's not. I'm not going to say just Philip Seymour Hoffman because again, it's Ray Fiennes. <laughs> yes, uh, a tremendous cast. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's that's the whole thing. You have some like interesting characters played by some phenomenal actors. And so maybe it's not the best shot or best directed or similar to another movie. And again, one of the greater films of all time. But again, with some interesting characters and some fantastic actors, you're going to get, you know, you're going you're gonna to have a, you're going to have a good time in my belief. Definitely. So, um, Jack Crawford gives him a tip, right? I don't know if it's a tip. He tells him to check out the, uh, crime scene. Mm-hmm. One of the crime scenes. So I was a little confused here, and I was even more confused later by this. Okay. He he says bye to his wife. His wife's like, no, don't go, don't go. Again, really crappy role for Mary Louise Parker. Yeah. Because it's just such like, oh, I'm the doubting wife. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, But so he goes to explore this crime scene. And I'm sorry, I actually consulted a friend at the prosecutor's office. You do <laughs> not go to a crime scene for the first time at night. That is total for dramatic effect of the film. He didn't go there at night to get... But see, he's like someone that likes being in the mindset of the killer. Even still, the fact that he's putting lights on, he's using that flashlight. The killer's not going around with a flashlight like, like that, you know? This is for dramatic effect. Okay. 
If you want to return to the crime scene at night and do that, okay. Also, why are you going there alone? I bet you there was like a squad car outside or something. No, you even... I, I went back and watched this scene. Okay. This is one of the more poorly written scenes of the film. Okay, yeah, just sure. Just for dramatic effect. He's like going on... I thought at the time, I'm like, oh, maybe he's... Because I hadn't seen it in a while. Maybe he's unauthorized. Maybe it's like the Bureau doesn't want him to come back. Yeah. And uh, Jack Crawford is asking him on the down low. Yeah. But in the very next scene... It's obvious that it's not because he's doing like, or, or not. It's, I don't think it's the very next thing. When is he doing that lecture? Yeah, he is, right? Yeah. Because by the way, that guy from the Predator is there. That's yeah, the yeah, scene. yeah. <laughs> he's the Atlanta PD. Yeah, I, I wrote. His name. He's the chief from Atlanta PD. I put guy from Predator. <laughs> I literally look. I'll show you my notes. My like visceral at the moment notes. I'm gonna kill you, sucker! I'm gonna kill you, sucker! <laughs> that dude from Predator! Exclamation point! <laughs> Anyway, so in the house, he's, like, putting two and two together. Yeah. I I did... Okay, so it's not one of the most poorly written scenes I thought, like, the setup was, but I do like him putting clues together in his head yeah. and kind of talking out loud. Yeah, so after that scene, we get introduced to, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, Freddie Lowndes, and I thought this was, like, a little sloppy, and again, I mean, this comes from the book. I didn't read the book. Will's big thing, and he says to his wife, I'm just going there, I'm just, like, assist, you know, assisting, I'm just giving my knowledge point being he doesn't want to put his family in harm's way but he knows that this journalist for this tabloid freddie lounge like he's pissed off at him because he took pictures of will when he was really wounded and like almost i think like almost kind of like in a coma after his um, yeah and they show this in the opening credits. It is a cool opening credits, by the way. Yeah, I do like I really that. like that. That gives you, like, up-to-date... You see, like, them writing the first time, Hannibal the Cannibal, and people fainting, like... Yeah, in and the, you also you know, see the dumb name of the paper. Yeah. The Daily Tattler or something? Yeah. The National Tattler. The National Tattler, yeah. That leads no credence to this paper. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, so I, I just think it's a little... I don't know, sloppy of the character of Will if he's that worried about putting himself back into this scene or whatever. Like, he's just walking so nonchalantly out of the Atlanta PD office and stuff like that. And obviously, the FBI has been there, and Freddie's just waiting there taking pictures. And he's just, we just get this great, slimy character from Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's just like, how about an exclusive? And, you know, and. Will pushes him up against a van and totally yeah, I mean, calls him out. He's for a the writer bullshit. again. We've seen Philip Zimmerhoffman as a writer before. Yeah, he wrote like a novel about. Uh... Yeah, he adapted his stories into a novel. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we don't see much of him here. No. Unfortunately. But then this is where the big part comes in, and Will kind of gets a little annoyed at Jack because Jack pretty much says, can you speak to Lecter for assistance And it's funny on how uh, Harvey Gertel slash Jack plays this off, and he's kind of like, yeah. Yeah. You he's know? just like, like, oh, you caught me. It's like, I'm just doing due, due diligence or something like that. But, you like, know? you couldn't have asked him that. I mean, uh, I guess he just wanted him to get wrapped up in the case. Yeah, well, I think he just needed him to see, like, the horrifying thing. If he went down to, you know, Marathon, and he's working on a boat and just living life with his wife and son, and said, oh, I need you to come up and talk to Hannibal... <laughs> you know, like the guy that almost killed you and took you away from your wife and son. So, I mean, I get that. Will is just about solving this and getting rid of the, at that time, they're calling the killer the Tooth Fairy. The Tooth Fairy, yeah. Then I just wrote, Hannibal Lecter is back. I just, the scene, there's, I mean, so much fun, but the one line I love the most when Will is just like, I have no time, and 
Anthony Hopkins just goes, I have oodles of time. It's just so, it's just one of the creepiest characters of all time. And it, and you can just see he has so much fun with it. Like he just, it is going to be like the character he is most remembered for and just will always be on those lists of greatest bad guys. I do like him in Amistad, though. He plays oh, he's John great. Quincy Adams. Yeah, he's great in Amistad. But <laughs> no, but... Uh, I love him in right. Mask of Zorro. That is the soft spot of a movie in my heart. You're, you're a Zorro guy. I love Zorro. Your favorite, like, Latino superhero. Definitely. We don't have too many other Latino superheroes, unfortunately. No. Yet. Yeah. Until they turn Spider-Man to Miles, Miles Morales. Morales. But even then, he's biracial. <laughs> That's enough. We'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> So after this great Hopkins scene, mm-hmm. this is where people are divided, like I've seen, um, in terms of, is this trying too hard to be Silence of the Lambs, or this is awesome because it's like Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. It, I think they do a good job in this scene because we are reminded by it. Sure. But it's clearly, obviously, they want to be Silence of the Lambs here. And of course. But I mean, I mean, when you have it in the same like cell block and you've got... Anthony Hopkins playing that same character. I mean, doing the same things. Yeah, exactly. Like, of course, there's going to be comparison, reason, reasonably so. And as far as his performance, it's still, it's still on par. And then we see Hoffman again briefly. Yeah, just briefly. He's outside with his, like, you know, I guess his in, little in a partner van, or whatever. You're a van in a guy, van, so. yeah, I'm a van guy. <laughs> a lot of vans. T- taking photos in this film. Yeah. We're just taking photos, so we just are reminded that he's out there. Yeah, and then we finally get to meet Ray Fiennes. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. Again, like, Sounds of the Lambs, it's something like Anthony Hopkins technically only has, like, eight minutes of screen time, and, you know, he won, and he won Best Actor, not Best Supporting yeah. Actor. A lot of people always say, like, oh, that's technically more support. He literally he supports Clarice in that movie. No, I know. Uh, but, I mean, so he gets more screen time in this movie, Hannibal being the most, but then this movie he gets a decent amount of screen time, because then our main villain, the guy that we're after, as you just said, this is when we meet Ray Fiennes, and first we're, we hear the voice, it's a voice cameo of Ellen Bernstein mm. as uh, as his grandmother, right? Not even his mother, it's his grandmother. Uh, and, she, and she's just saying like horrible things to a young Francis, and we get kind of, from the beginning, we get into how a little bit more like that's fine as far as like understanding our killer I guess yeah I think it's weird that you don't see his face right away yeah even for a while in this scene we don't see his face because he's got like like, a you know why yeah the pantyhose are weird because it doesn't really matter this isn't this isn't a uh, the old detective shows in the 70s and probably before they used to divide them in two things right a whodunit or a how catch em yeah this isn't a whodunit it, it because we as the audience know who did it. Yeah, this sure. is a how catch him. Yeah, you know, and we can see his face at this point. I mean, it's not like that big of a deal. That's a cool fucking mask he's wearing and stuff. Or like, I know it's like the pants. Yeah, it's really creepy. The we way see, he's wearing. We it. see the two different types of like dentures. He's got the like dentures, nice teeth. And the, yeah. And the, and the, and the, I like, almost wish they played that up more later because we don't see that look on him again. Yeah. Which is a little odd to me. It's creepy. Because it's a creepy look, and I wish we saw it more. Yeah, and he's just like, like, I mean, I get, this is a little silly trivia, but it's kind of, I mean, they make it a point, like, they even comment on his body in the movie. Like, Ray Fiennes put on 15 pounds of muscle for this movie, which is a lot of, you know, muscle weight. And he's just like, we're introduced to his character by him just like, you know, dead pressing, yeah. like bench oh, press. God. 
just like a bunch of weight and we just see like this is like I mean not that and you know that not that Hannibal Lecter wasn't physically threatening but no, more in a creepy the, the, way yeah, the refined yeah like this guy is just a, this Lecter, guy is right? just he I'm just, pretty sure the book probably has him even more built than this yeah um, I know you probably read this too but I thought this was funny that the people who potentially could have played this character oh, oh my god Francis this is the, this is the best of all time Paul Bettany yeah, there's a couple of like okay ones, but the Paul yeah, I know you read yeah, the one no. that's like. Uh, who else here? I uh, we're gonna save the best one for last. But Sean Penn, yeah, was somebody probably could have played it at a different angle. Our guy, not our guy, but uh, CageClub.me guy Nicholas Cage. Yep. And I mean, I'll let you drop this nugget here. Oh my God, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> there's only been a few times where this man really pushed to be certain characters, and he never got the opportunity, but. Michael friggin' Jackson wanted to play Francis Dollarhide. What? <laughs> really lobbied. What? I'm sorry. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell? Like, what? What? Like, the other characters he, he wanted to play, he wanted to play Peter Pan and Hook. That was, like, his biggest one he really lobbied for. And then he also wanted to play the Joker at one point. Well... <laughs> I don't know. So like I get I don't Pe- even know what to I say. I get Peter Pan because like he was just always wanted to be a kid and always wanted to fly and he loved Peter Pan as you know, like a, as a person. Michael Jackson loved it. The Joker, I guess we would have seen the Joker do He's a kinda moon- like a real life Joker. Yeah, like ha ha ha, ha. Yeah. like we would have seen the Joker do a mean moonwalk. I don't know. But he wants to play like this serial killer in again, like so I mean, sure, this is in the same world, Anthony Hopkins is involved. We have we have a stellar cast in this, but it's not like again. This is it's the third film in a series. Like why this film and why that role? Well, this is the only thing I can guess. Michael Jackson and Brett Ratner were actually friends. Oh, that's true. Um, I don't know how he maybe he directed some of his music videos. Yeah, they knew one another from the music. Okay, I'm not sure yeah. which ones. Yeah. But also, there's that famous scene in Rush Hour 2 where Chris Tucker, another big Michael Jackson, oh, huge fan Michael and Jackson friend, fan. yeah, you know, does that uh, song in Rush Hour 2. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jamal but, Lee. Yeah, Jamal. Jamal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. Maybe like he heard Brett Ratner talking about it, like, he's like, oh Brett, you gotta put me in this film. Yeah. That's my Michael Jackson. Don't you gonna try? Like you gotta. Uh, you'd just be so ignorant if you. <laughs> That's my South Park Michael Jackson. <laughs> you'd be so ignorant if you don't put me in this yeah, film. Imagine Michael Brett, Jackson. Brett, remember those good times we had in the music video sets? Remember you saw me in Thriller? I was scary. I go, I go, boo. I'll scare people. <laughs> well, Ray Fiennes is definitely a better actor than Michael Jackson. Yes, well, Michael and Jackson he... might be scarier in real life. Yeah, well, it would just—it would have been too silly. <laughs> too silly. Unless Michael Jackson all of a sudden like bulked up, that would have been like. Yes. Imagine this turned his life around. We, he was still alive. I don't know. He just like became the talented Michael Jackson actor. Yeah. He was in the One, Wiz. Yeah. Hey. Um, he was in Men in Black too. Oh my god. <laughs> trying to think of other films. <laughs> Regardless, back on track. Yeah, back, back on, on track. track. I mean, see, yeah, again, we we just so this is when we meet Francis, and but, I but mean the big thing at the end of this scene is that we see a picture of Philip Seymour Hoffman in I guess the newspaper, and he yeah, in his like scrapbook that yeah, he's making, and he crosses it out yeah. because he reads all his newspaper clippings yeah. like a good serial killer does, and he's a big um, Hannibal Lecter fan as well. Yes, so, so we, has... we see the two things: we see that he loves Hannibal Lecter, 
and hates Freddy. And we also see that he knows that uh, that Will is back on the case. Yeah. Or Will is on the case, I should say. And then, then we, we, we get to a fun scene, and I call it uh, Will and Hannibal's Walk. And it's definitely a good change of pace. Like, we see that at one point, Hannibal, I think he says he does, like, a half hour once a week. And it's just this, like, big gymnasium room that there's this chain. And we just, we see that there's markings before know where Hannibal, the furthest he can reach. But there still is that, like, great, like, quick moment of just, like, where he, like, you know, questions Will's, like, he says, like, oh, I smell that, you know, that fear on you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's like, but that's good. You have, like, you do have to have fear. Like, you still have courage, though. Like, you are, you know, for coming yeah. back. And this is when they figure out the red dragon stuff. Yeah, exactly. That it's, what's the, what's the... Ma- it's like a Mahjong piece. Yeah. But it's, there's also William Blake. A William Blake painting. Yeah. And that's the tattoo that he has on the back. Yeah. It is really creepy. It is a cool bad guy. Yeah. Like a... I, I th- that probably comes from the book, though. Sure, sure, yeah, definitely. The depths of the book. Some people, like, shit on um, Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs, but I think that's a really creepy villain, too. Oh, fuck yeah. He's scary. Oh, my... Would you fuck me? Yeah. Was she a great big fat person? No, was she... I always... I do it pretty... Was she a great fat lady? (laughs) It's just that really... It's almost on a Philip Seymour Hoffman level. Yeah, but you gotta punch it more. was Was she a great fat lady? Oh, yeah. What's that actor thing? He's really good. Yeah. Uh, I'm blanking. We're, we're terrible today with was remembering she, yeah. her actor. Was she, was she a great <laughs> But, um, the, the criticisms in that film were that, like, kind Hannibal of... steals the show and not Buffalo. No, 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 not necessarily. Oh, okay. it, it's that, like, are we saying all transgendered people are killers? Oh, whatever. Know? I mean, if you watch it now, it's a little bit... It's a little bit okay. No, and, that's just that's just. And the, the second re- thing is like, no, are all Vietnam vets killers? It's just the reasoning behind that is that he's doing what he's doing because that's what he's into. Well, I think cause this guy, this is all, he's also technically a vet, but he's like killing these families and having well, sex I, with I, the well, bodies. My tying so. things here, I and mean, we see it later. Like he's a vet as well. Yeah, and it seems like. Like, there's so many tie-ins. I mean, I guess that's the comment of the author, in a way, that the, he saw maybe... I don't know, maybe he saw a lot of, at one point, veterans. It's possible. It's not... Yeah. But regardless, I think the... They're not side villains, because Hannibal's really a, the side villain. Yeah. But the series has very good uh, villains. Very well-thought-out serial killers. Yeah. Definitely. Like, interesting. And they all they have their own little reasonings and stuff like that. But, I mean, I mean, the whole thing with France is that he's he's got, what, a cleft lip that obviously is a scar from a surgery from or whatever. Yeah. And, I mean, that's, we meet the character of Reba, played by... So he works at, what, like a video? Well, he works for, yeah, like it's called Chroma something or other. They, like, transfer like, video over yeah, to things. Yeah, just different, like, photography and video, I think. So he meets a blind girl? Yeah, so I guess then that's kind of a co-worker like he look he looks like he's like does like transportation like deliveries and stuff like that so yeah he meets Reba who is blind and she's just kind of like and I watched an interview and she even calls herself like a very forward I guess that's just how she is as a person that has a disability and just realizes like oh I might as well be like open right yeah. from the get go and she's like oh I can tell you're being shy but like there's no reason to be shy and then I don't know they I mean you, you just know you're like you get into that whole like 
girl, what are you getting yourself into? Like, of course. You know, because we know but, exactly. But no, I, I thought she was pretty good because she didn't play like, oh, I'm just the vulnerable character. I'm the vulnerable girl. No. Yeah, she's not, she's, not, this she's not dumb. She just reads him the wrong way. She has just too much, like, faith in humanity. Faith in humanity. <laughs> like, also, like, she's, I think there's a physical attraction there. Not visually, obviously. Well, she says, like, oh, I talked to, like, people in the office and they said you're, like, physically, like, Yeah, like, beautiful. strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, strong. And, and the, he, he believes he's ugly. Yeah. But he's a very good-looking guy, so. Yeah. Just, I mean, he just, he that has, scar. He has, like, the Walking Phoenix yeah, like nobody, <laughs> no, no woman would be like, oh, that scar. I don't know. It's like yeah. a little scar in his. Leg. No, it's just that he was like, this isn't Tyrion menta- Lannister. He was here. mentally abused by like this grandmother growing up, so he's just was exactly. told like always, oh, you know, shame. And, yeah, he's like, a victim of abuse. Yeah, exactly. So the next like big arc here, and this is gonna eventually lead to what happens to our guy Philip Seymour Hoffman, is that. So they find a note in Hannibal's cell written on toilet paper. Yeah, so as we said, Francis is a fan of Hannibal. Yeah. And he writes to him and somehow gets this message on toilet paper into Hannibal's jail cell. And But then in a routine check, they find it, so they remove Hannibal. And this is a part, this is a part of like the movie that I do really enjoy, because again, it goes back to like this detective kind of work. Yeah, and, and like, it's fast. And it, like, yeah, exactly. Sense of urgency. Get Ken Long going in and figuring out stuff. Yeah, so there's this note, and they, they kind of have to break down the clues, and then yeah. they realize that they're going to start to communicate in through the newspapers. Yeah. Hannibal and... So they let it happen. Yeah, they let it happen. But unfortunately, Hannibal, through a clever way of, they think he's talking to his lawyer, but then he contacts the operator. He does this weird thing with the phone that I do not get, yeah. but I'm assuming they did he, their due diligence. He finds uh, Will's address. Yeah, and or at least just a marathon Florida. That's where he lives. So we see that the Tooth Fairy, who does not like to be called the Tooth Fairy, by the way. Yeah. That's the name that the paper that Philip Seymour Hoffman works for gave him, and then everyone else gave him that name. Yeah. And he, he's the Red Dragon. You know, yes. He feels like, I, I don't know if the red dragon is in him or is like a spirit. He's definitely well, a, he's part of it, but he's every, with every kill, he's becoming more. Yeah. And more. more and more the red yeah. dragon. So the red dragon will call yeah. him, um, the red dragon and Hannibal are communicating through this letter and they use Philip Seymour paper to do this. Yes. And in the paper, Hannibal, um, tells the red dragon. Yes. This address to the, um, Will's address in Florida. Then, of course, the cops storm the place. Yeah, the FBI storm down. And they go down there and scoop up uh, Will's wife and kid. And so just want to mention, to a yeah. Farm. To a farm, right? And yeah. she's obviously upset. Just want to mention the whole, like, gun firing scene. Yeah. He's, like, training her to shoot a gun. And it kind of, I was like, they're definitely going to call back to this. Later. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty obvious setup. Yeah, and it, but it's so unnecessary. And we'll get into that. But, okay. But, um... Then we get they get the idea to just kind of do a fake setup, and this is where our guy Philip Seymour Hoffman comes to play. Yeah, so they know clearly that uh, Francis reads this paper. Yeah, and so because that's the whole thing, like one murders in Georgia, the others, and I forget it's another state, but then there's also a, something happened to a guy up in Chicago. So they just know that this guy is in like yeah, a, a six hour drive. He ends up being in St. Louis, I think. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, so, so they, they, uh, use Freddie Lounge and bring him in 
and he's just so cocky. Yeah. He just thinks he's just like, you know, he's like, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Well, yeah, because they found him doing some kind of crime. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. And it's... Yeah, no, not just a, like, a horrible federal offense of you having fake FBI... Yeah, I mean, it's something, like, I'm sure reporters have done in the past. That's like pretty slime, bad in... Slime personate, ball reporters. Impersonating FBI. Yeah, agent. to try to get, like, a scoop on a different story. Yeah, well, I think he wanted the pictures of the victims. That's yeah, what they wanted. something like that. Yeah. Whatever. But so they say to him, you know, we're not gonna throw you in jail. You just have to write the story we want you to write. Yeah. And he knows it's fake, but they're they're. Yeah, Crawford and Graham like totally use him as a setup. But like, like you said, like he knows that this is, like, to lure him in because and, he, and he's like, just give me the exclusive. Yeah, uh, exactly. When you catch him because they make it pretty obvious because he's like, oh, make sure to get the name of that building in the background. Yeah. I mean, Freddie's not dumb. No. So they they have a fake place. Where Will's gonna be? Yeah, he says like this is where he's living in the meantime. And they also have like quotes by Lecter insulting uh, the Red Dragon, and it's just stuff to piss him off. And the idea is to make Will Edward Norton the bait. Yeah. So that they come after him in in this like particular home or location. Which as as smart agents, like Jack being the head of obviously a department and Will being this like amazing, you know, agent that he's supposed to be. How did they not... I, I know, like, I mean, ultimately, again, like, they don't... Even if Freddy is a slime ball and Will hates him for what he did, like, they're not trying to get him killed. How did they not, like, also... I would have had someone following Freddy that whole time, too, I guess is what I'm saying. I would have been... <laughs> Maybe they just didn't care, but again... I know. Don't they want to catch this guy? Yeah, yeah. exactly. He should have been under surveillance as well. So this plan backfires, and we see Francis pick up a paper early in the morning. That's like his usual thing. He goes to the same place and, you know, like picks yeah. it up from this guy at wee hours in the morning. And he sees this article and obviously gets really pissed off. And it's kind of funny. Phil Schmerhoffen pulls up and gets all riled up and pissed off because this van is in his spot at the uh, National Tattler in the parking garage, and then he just kind of gets pulled in, and Fra- Francis's big thing to do, I guess, is use, uh, what is that, chloroform, kind of right away, yeah. and silence him to bring him in. Cut to Freddy, you know, Freddy Lowndes in this old wooden wheelchair, and he's glued to the chair. Did he's we just... mention that he lives in a nursing home? I think so, right? If we no, haven't, we, no, we he, haven't. Yeah. He lives in this like giant nursing home. This well, not no longer. No, no sorry. Home. Yeah, to be clear, abandoned nursing home. You know, yeah. it's, it's no longer in service. But there's all these creepy wheelchairs and yeah. furniture around. And it's s- a cool lair. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great word for it, lair. <laughs> and so we just see Philip Seymour Hoffman, chubby and in white briefs, just glued to this chair. And you read this? I see you giving me a little nod. Philip Seymour Hoffman demanded that he insisted. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's all right. You guys. (laughs) I would have said insisted if I was reading my notes. Exactly. He (laughs) insisted that he be glued to the chair. That's crazy. With real glue. Yeah. I mean, there must be, obviously you must be able to pour. No, it's not like the most intense glue. Paint thinner or something. You see him pulling it. You see like yeah, the skin no, and his a, hair too. He's actually glued to this chair. Yeah, that's commitment. And so, I mean, bef- you know, what? before we get into this, let's play this nice, uh, this beefy clip for you. What am I doing here? Atoning, Mr. Lowndes. I haven't seen your face. 
No, I couldn't possibly identify you. I work for the National Tattler. It would uh, pay a big uh, reward. A big reward for me. I mean, a half a million, like a million, maybe. Do you know who I am, Mr. Lowndes? No. And I, I don't want to know. You don't believe me. According to you, I'm a vicious, perverted sexual failure. A bottom-feeding lowlife who's about to go down in flames. I think you know now, don't you? <laughs> yes. Do you understand what I'm doing, Mr. Lowndes? No. Um, but I, I would, I'd like to. I really want to understand, and then uh, all my readers could understand, too. I am not a man. I began as one, but each being that I change makes me more than a man, as you will witness. I don't need to see you, no. Oh, but you must, Mr. Lowndes. You're a reporter. You're here to report. Open your eyes and look at me. No. If you won't open them yourself, I'll staple your eyelids to your forehead. <laughs> open your eyes! to know what I am? More than anything. I was afraid to ask. Do you see now? Yeah, I see. Oh, God. This is Jacoby in human form. Do you see? Yes. This is Leeds in human form. Do you see? Yes. This is Jacoby changing. Oh Do you my see? god. This is Leeds changing. Do you see? This is Jacoby reborn. Do you see? This is Leeds reborn. Do you see? Please no. No? No what? Not me. Not, not me. Why did you write lies, Mr. Lowndes? Graham told me to lie, Graham. It wasn't me. Will you tell the truth now? Yes. About me. My work? Oh, yes, yes. My becoming? Yeah, y'all. Yeah. I am the dragon, and you call me insane. You are privy to a great becoming, and you recognize nothing. You are an ant. In the afterbirth, it is in your nature to do one thing correctly. Before me, you rightly tremble. 
but fear is not what you owe me, Mr. Lowndes. You owe me all. Read. That's all, Mr. Lambs. You did very well. You let me go now? Soon. There is one more way I can help you to better understand. I, I, I want to understand. I do, and I'm, I'm really going to be fair from now on. You know that. Hello? So I, I laughed when he was like, I'm the dragon, because it just totally reminded me of Game of Thrones. <laughs> you know, in the first season, I think, I forgot his name, like Daenerys' brother. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. I'm the dragon. Every time he gets mad, so uh, yeah, maybe it's Targaryen blood. This is this is all, but like there, that is like funny. I was I didn't think of that, but it's a it's it's a terrifying scene. Like that oh was, yeah. Oh, this is also a very good point to bring. Danny Elfman made the music for this mm. movie. I mean, he's just a great composer. Like some of the the music in this movie is pretty powerful. And like when he's just like it's just like Ray finds this like he's oh, like that yeah. noise he makes like and he's just flexing and we just see the tattoo like expanding yeah, and no, it, it was almost like at first I remember watching this movie for the first time being like is his body about to transform like I also I thought it was going to go in a really weird like well it also reminds me of like that fetish that people have where they actually believe they're the animals oh and like there's a lot of people who believe they're dragons oh you can look it up on YouTube. I can't that that makes right me now. think of Starsky and Hutch and Will <laughs> oh, Ferrell. <yeah. laughs> a like, movie, movie we cited dra- way... Two dragons. Yeah. Way too much on this podcast. Which now James Gunn is making a Starsky and Hutch uh, series for Amazon, so you're welcome. Whatever. Pay attention. <laughs> but yeah, to get back to our main man, I, I just I wrote down like... I mean, I just love the way he was saying, like, I didn't see your face, like he's just covering his... I mean, as anyone would be... Mm-hmm. But just, like I said, because he goes from that cocky, arrogant, slimy reporter into, like, clearly also that same guy covering his ass, but at the same time, like, you just, you do feel for that guy, because you're like, oh my god, this scenario is terrifying. It's a scary situation. Because he knows what this guy is capable of, and what, like, what he's done, and most likely he's not going to make, but he's just trying to, like, I didn't see your face. He's just like, oh, they'd pay big money, you know, like, uh, I mean, and then just that, you know, like, the way he's crying, it's just that, like, really, like, it just reminds me of, like, a, it just went to, like, a visceral, like, child experience in a way. He's like, I don't want to. Like, it's just, it's just really, Philip Seymour Hoffman, why anyone ever wrote, like, sure, it's a small role or whatever, but I think he just does a great job with it. Yeah, no, he's not. I mean, it's great. He's also glued himself to a chair, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, Talk about... And speaking of chair, we get his death right after this. Yeah, that's kind of, that's a pretty memorable death, so I, I forget our yeah, what's toll our death right tally? now. I think we're on four or five. 
Hmm. Maybe we can do this quick. We not we're not sure about my new gun. Yeah, we're not sure with my new gun. But after that, you've got my boyfriend's back, the getaway, Montana. Mon- Montana, another big death of his. Uh... Almost famous. Shut up. <laughs> I made the bad joke with Manzi that I said Patch Adams. <laughs> that was, uh, talented Mr. Ripley. Oh, of course. Another Freddy death. So that's four. So this is... Um, five, maybe six. This is five. Maybe six. Oh, maybe six because of Minor gun. gun. Yeah. We're not exactly All right. here. So that's fine. So it's a, it's a, and this goes up there. And let, let's stop, you know, let's not allude to it. So his death is literally, he just gets thrown at the office. Yeah. I mean, you heard it at the end of that clip. Yeah. Like also, like, so he thinks he's in the clear because Francis is having him like read this, you know, letter or whatever. Yeah, he reads or a this, statement. The st- statement. Thank you. And then all of a sudden he just comes up and like, I don't know what, where he exactly, it almost looks like he's going to like kiss him, but he bites his lips. We don't see it exactly. Yeah. What did he bite something off? Yeah. He bites like his lips off. I think (laughs) you heard, you know, him screaming like that. And then just this cold cut. I don't know if he bites his lips off because how could he make that tape? No, after articulately after he does it, he did it after. He recorded the entire thing because yeah, it sounded yeah. like there was other. No, words. that's the end of the tape because then they go to the scene. And oh, they, and I see. They, and they I see. Okay. End, and so like, yeah, it could be his tongue. You know. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, tongue. It's either his, like tongue or lips, uh, and then just this cold cut. And again, we almost like think it's this newsstand, and we're like, oh, we're we gonna see like Francis going up to him or like this other news guy and picking up a paper. Nope, it's just this like little old man setting up his newsstand and like you know the crack of dawn. And he just hears this rickety noise, and it's this. I it look. He's still alive, right? I see him like moving in the chair. It looks. Like, I, I think. I don't know if he's necessarily alive. I think that might be just. But by that point, you're being like shocked. Like yeah, the body's yeah. like shocked reaction. Yeah. Um, it's but also... it's just a total in flames. This chair rolling down this hill tour and I never noticed On fire, it. Yeah. I never noticed it before, this before until watching it this time. But it's at the bottom of the hill it's just like they they kind of cut right away but you see it saying the national tattler yeah so it's just rolling him right into his old office yeah. essentially that i mean that's that's a crazy death yeah that's a crazy death so i mean that i mean but, that's the end of our unfor- yeah unfortunately we lose hoffman but that was a fun that was a fun little role nice little arc nice little role i would like to see more of him as i always would yeah but it is what it is. It's not a very dynamic character, not a very deep character. No, 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 no. But like I showed, said, I mean, he showed a bit of range in that death. Scene. It was just, yeah, exactly. Like we got that f- fun, like five minute, like scene between two great actors, like very much. I mean, you know, the same era of you know acting. You know, I put them in the same age class and everything like that. Yeah. I mean, he worked with, you know, Ed Norton in the one scene. We're going to obviously see him in 25th Hour with him much more. But it was, so it was like a fun character, memorable, cool, like death. And so, I mean, hey, I'll take it, you know. Yeah, I mean, again, good to see him. It's not like we watched a bad movie. Yeah. So I think it's fair to say at this point, this be- the film becomes the Ray Fiennes film. Yeah, and it becomes even more I mean, than the Ed Norton film. I mean, no, it becomes like the Rafe Fines and like the em- Emily Watson. Emily Watson film because like we see their relationship blooming and 
To be fair, she doesn't know he's the killer, obviously. No, she has no idea. Yeah. <laughs> he he just sells it because like there's the few more times that he has the argument up in the attic with himself as, you know, he's like, No, you can't take her and then I mean the biggest thing is that we finally will and Jack learn that he, so the company's called Chroma Locks. Yeah. And that's well, that's uh, the thing. Yeah, right before that scene, I do like he just he like you said, he doesn't want to kill Emily Watson's character. Yeah. He feels like he can destroy the dragon mm-hmm. if he can destroy the painting of the dragon. So he he realizes it's at the Brooklyn Museum, so he goes to Brooklyn. He sneaks in, get, like finds the print in the back. I mean, he, uses, no, he doesn't like, even alias. sneak in. That's the weird thing. Well, He's like written a dissertation. Uh, he sneaks in in a sense. Sorry, he has an alternate identity. It's not really him. Oh, of course. He says yeah. he's writing like a paper, and yeah. she lets him see it. He eats the original. He print. knocks her out. He knocks her out and eats the original print. Yeah. I guess you know, hoping that that'll kill the dragon, but instead, it just makes him more of yeah, the dragon. He becomes the dragon. Yeah, so then Will and Jack figure out that it's the the tying between these two murders because that's the big thing. They're they're you know they're on a it's going to be like another week or two at the most before he would go on a killing spree again of another family, and which we do. That's a really creepy scene. We see when uh, she stays over, it's on mute. She's like, "Oh, can we keep listening to the music?" And we see him watching the home video of the next family that will be his yeah. victims. That's a creepy, that's a cool and creepy so scene. So you alluded to this. He works at this lab. Yeah. And that's the tying in. He f- figures out his victims via these compilation home Yeah, videos. and they seem like really perfect families. Yeah, they tend to be like families of five, it looks like, and they have a pet, a nice yard. Yeah, I guess it's like the family he never had. Yeah. Makes... I guess he, did he grow up in that nursing home or something? I guess, it was, yeah, that's what it <laughs> seems, that like maybe his grandmother owned it and then she... You yeah, know. she clearly abused him. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, called him horrible words and threatened to cut his penis off. And, <laughs> just like, yes, all, all all the things that make you into a you know a what a, mass okay, murderer. Right. Um, sorry, just want to get back to my notes. So yeah, so we see that scene. It's super creepy, and then he. he Eventually, he pulls the switcheroo. I mean, spoiler alert. Yeah, he goes and well, he goes back to the company, sees that Will and Jack are there, and so he runs off and he runs to Reba's place. And there's this weird little side character. I think his name is Randy. <laughs> yeah. Randy, of course. And he's hitting on Reba in the beginning of the film when we first meet her. But he kind of he kind of tells Reba to get lost. It was Emily Watson's character. Yeah. Because he knows he's probably eventually going to kill her. Yeah. You know. But then he sees that she's macking it with another guy. Yeah. But she's not, like, she definitely likes Ray Fiennes more than this other guy. Yeah, but he kind of blew her off, so she's giving yeah, this so guy that's always yeah, hitting on her giving, time. Giving, yeah, him a shot. And he sees this, and he gets pretty angry. Goes up, and as Will assumed earlier, or, like, kind of put together that he probably uses this silencer because the kids didn't wake up or whatever uh, during the crimes. We see him go up and he just shoots this guy right on like her little walkway and then knocks on the door. She thinks that it's Brandy and then he goes up and just chloroforms her and we think that he just leaves that body of Randy there and then we cut to the house and 
pretty much he's just like threatening to kill her and then kill himself. Yeah, and, and he's put gasoline all around. The yeah, house. he lights the house on fire, and then eventually we're led to believe that he shoots himself. Yeah, he lets, which is weird, right? Like she sees him shoot himself. Well, she doesn't see it. But how? Okay, so how does this happen? She's standing right in front of him. Yeah. He has a gun. Yeah. She screams. The blood splatters on her so face. So he had that body there that we just didn't see. But how do you pull that move off? Explain that to me. If you're in front of somebody, he just grabbed the body? Yeah, he had the body like set on the floor, and then he's he's talking to her. But she, oh, I keep forgetting she's blind. Yeah, that's what but, I'm saying. She didn't see it. But I don't know. Like, No, I trust me. I know. It's not like the most brilliant... Like, also, it seems to come together very fast. That's what I'm saying. I guess it's just like off camera that the like we just threw the our shots. Like if there was a really really wide shot, we would have seen a body lying there, and it's Randy's body. But we are, and the FBI for time being for like a week's time, is, I mean she because she comes out and says like I felt his like face or whatever. Why do you think he doesn't kill her? Um, I because I think it was still just she would be the credibility on top of this body that he's lied to, you know, him for him to get It's away. a lot of fast thinking. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's the last act of a desperate man. He, he, but it's great last act of a desperate man. Yeah, I think he knows eventually they'll do a DNA test and that's what they do is, and then they realize, and then the, the whole yeah, thing Yeah, so, like, so, yeah, we, th- we think he's dead, but we really don't. Did you... No, I know you had seen it before, but no. I had seen it in a while and I didn't remember. No, like, I'm just no like, way it ends no, because you, because number one, the, like really that crazy <laughs> the guy guy is gonna kill himself and we're not gonna see it on camera. We're just gonna see blood splatter on her face. Yeah, so they brought this detective out of retirement to yeah. solve a case that he doesn't really even have to solve. Yeah, exactly. Like Will didn't even have anything to do. And with this is this will be my other big criticism of the film. And again, I like this film, but. It doesn't. The tension at the end of Silence of the Lambs, and of course it's going to be compared to Silence of the Lambs. I don't care what people say. Yeah. The tension at the end of Silence of the Lambs when Clarice is in that home. You know when they think it's the one home and she knocks on another. Oh home, my god! And yeah. you're like, holy shit! No, it's just her at this. Yeah, home. that's you know? a good trick. I get, yeah. I'm getting like goosebumps right now thinking about that scene. Yeah, the panic you, that's put in to this, like you know, like inexperienced like tiny woman knocking on the door solely like the SWAT team is at the other house and she's there by herself. And you, you watch that now and you still feel it. Oh my God. No, well that whole scene and then the, you know, the, the night the vision. And yeah. The night yeah. vision. Great here. You don't, you don't feel that. No, kind it's of not tension. nearly as climatic. You feel more tension. I think in that scene we were talking about at the beginning um, with mm. Ed Norton and Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Here, we kind of know something's up here. We know something's up, but I mean, you still like are fearful for like the you know like the wife and the kid. So it's like the kid wants. So then we cut to no, no, no here. Okay. Oh, at, here. at the end, yes. Oh, sure. There's okay. tension there, and it and it's it, again, it's not going to be as big a Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. But we know it's not the ending, at the at the the home that's on fire. Yeah, yeah. We know something's up, and it's just that. It's dramatic, and the whole house comes apart, you know, when they get yeah. there. And it, it's, like, a actually nice visually, mm-hmm. but it, it, it falls a little flat for me. 
because we know it's not a surprise when he that he when he comes to get them. Yeah. At the end, and like you what you've been alluding to is that he comes down to Florida. Yeah, they're back down in Florida, and he's still you know they're living in the house that he knew. But they so think, he really didn't die. They think it's fine, but then someone calls like one of the other FBI agents. He calls Jack and says like we got the DNA results back, and that's like not and that's not Francis Dollarhides. It's this guy you know Randy, and they just didn't even no one knew that he was missing because he was going to be on vacation for a week or whatever. And then we cut to Florida and the son wants to make some more. So he goes inside to get some marshmallows and then they're both, you know, him and Mary Louise Parker, like, Oh, where is he? And Will's like, I'll go inside. And then he goes inside. And this is where, like, this is where it's like creepy and terrifying. He goes inside and a trait, of Red Dragon is to crack the mirrors in the house. And when he sees, and that, so when he sees that, then you go, oh, like again, you're you are expecting it. So it's not like like Clarice, and then her whole thing of like knocking on that door, and then even then, then she's inside and she's talking to the guy, and then it takes the moment of like whatever kind of like butterfly moth thing that is yeah. for her to know like this is the place. The mirror was the moth thing. Yeah. But obviously, so much better than Silence of the Lambs. Yes, but still, still pretty good here. Yeah. So, but you see that, and again, Danny Elfman's music really helps. Like it's just like that, you know, the screechy like violins, and so he goes upstairs, and um, Francis is holding a big piece of glass as like a knife against Will's son's throat, and this is where like Will, revert, you know, reverse psychology or whatever, starts yelling because he read a. The, his old diary yeah. or something. Oh yeah, that's the whole thing. We when we go back to Florida, he's like saying to his wife, like, "Oh, like not that I feel bad for him, but you like I un- you start understanding like where he's coming from cuz in the vault, the safe thing or whatever, they find this big book that again we were saying has all the clippings, clippings and everything. And stuff, everything. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, I feel bad for him." Yeah. And so then he no, goes inside and and knows to kind of use those, again, those, like, slurs and all the negative things that his grandmother used to say to him, and he sees that his son, out of obviously, you know, rightfully so, fear, has peed his pants, and he starts saying, like, oh, you want me to cut that thing off? And all all the really negative things that we heard, like, yeah, Ellen, Bur- Ellen Burstein's voice. By the way, but, the psychological oh my god, that yeah. this kid is going to have. Yeah. Because in that moment, one, scary moment, but right after that, then his dad does like save him, and put him underneath, and like hide, yeah. and like he sees that whole. But thing. he'll flash back to that as flash back to his dad, like yeah, yelling those all those things. But but Francis freaks out and drops him and goes goes after Will, and they have like a tussle. He cuts him a little bit across the chest, and then they both. He tells his son to run. They go into the other room. He locks the room and gets into the closet to pull out the door. We're waiting for him to Francis to. Rush through the door. Will's got the gun, but then he, you know, disappears. Like as this, you know, the scary guy does disappears for a second. Then we hear Mary Louise Parker's voice, and we see her coming up. And uh, it's, you know, it's like the again, it's Marathon, Florida, so they have all kind of doors to call those. But you like can like closet doors. Yeah, we can, we can see it's like the beveled air breeze yeah. doors, and so we can see kind of see her through it. And we then Will sees Francis coming up behind her. He tells her to get down, and Francis also has a gun. So they get into a shootout, and Will gets shot several times. Francis gets shot several times. And then we cut to that brilliant setup of, you know, because she rushes in to see how Will's doing. And then he's, like, mumbling something. And she realizes, oh, it's, like, turn around and finish him or whatever. And she puts, like, one in his head, one in his cheek, one in his chest. 
And that is the official end of Francis Dollar High's. It's so pointless, though. AKA like, the Red Dragon. The setup, like, oh, let's teach her how to fire a gun. So she yeah, I mean that kind of close. Yeah, who's disabled on the ground at point blank range? Yeah, and said, "Oh, I'm a woman. Ah, I missed. Even yeah, if she did miss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, whatever. But like, it's it's so silly. It's silly, but I mean, would it have taken? Would you have said if she shot him right there? Which again, didn't think it was necessary anyway. But if she shot him right there, would you have been like, "Wait a minute, how does she know how to use a gun?" I would, yeah, you would just start going into. We would be having the conversation of, "Well, her husband's an FBI agent, so I'm sure like he's like." <laughs> also, he's her. on the ground right there. Yeah, he's slowly like getting. Yeah. I mean, he could have gone back up and gotten over and like. It's not like like if she had a sniper moment, like she he's chasing the sun or something, yeah. and she's in the house and she yeah. like get, like sniper shoots him. Then I'd be like, "Wait a minute, okay." Like, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's. But regardless, regardless. And that's pretty much our ending. Yeah, then we just see, you know, obviously the cops show up, the FBI show up, and then we find out via voiceover by Hannibal Lecter, he writes, you know, he has written even, we learned in the beginning of the film, oh, he wrote Will a Christmas card at one point. And he's like, oh, I read that you're doing better or whatever. And then we see Will and his family on their boat and they're sailing. And then the greatest little thing at the end is... Then uh, Dr. Chilton coming down to uh, Hannibal's cell and says, like, oh, I'm sure you're not interested or whatever, in his douchey Dr. Chilton ways, <laughs> and says there's this young, uh, you know, FBI agent here to talk to you. And it's like, oh, she's very pretty. He's like, oh, you know, bring her in. <laughs> and, oh, this is a prequel to Science of the Land. Let me just tell you. So is Red Dragon, or let me ask you, is Red Dragon the Rogue One to... uh... (laughs) Essentially. I mean, it does talk about, you know, Rogue One goes right into uh, Episode 4, New Hope. This goes right into, uh, you know, Clarice (laughs) showing up in Silence of the Lambs, so... Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Too bad we never got a Clarice, like, Will team up on another. I mean, it would have sucked, but... (laughs) <laughs> so I guess not too bad. I don't know. Maybe in the Hannibal series, yeah. he meets like a teenage Clarice. Yeah. Like, oh, that's why I want to join the FBI. So, we, I mean, we we said, you know, fun little role of Philip Seymour Hoffman. But I mean, and I, and I, clearly I enjoyed this movie. I mean, do you, did you did you enjoy this movie? Yeah, I mean, it's good. I think Rotten Tomatoes is fair. Oh, uh, yeah, what's 69% the... on Rotten Tomatoes. It's pretty, yes. 74%, which is pretty close uh, for the audience. Sure. You know that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I don't have, no, a, gripe. Like, I don't have like, a gripe with that. That's no, like it's it's a good movie. Yeah, it's, I I would recommend seeing it. You know, if you haven't seen it, I'm curious. Look up Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the oh, come on. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just I'm curious because sometimes you're really surprised by you know a great movie and what Rotten Tomatoes because Rotten Tomatoes is like a new, I know they you know put a bunch of. Different. It all comes from you know Critic, critics and scores, that kind of stuff. But I just feel like obviously it's ninety-five, ninety-five. Very fair. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, if you want Hannibal, <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. Don't Hannibal. Know. Don't even look up Hannibal Rising. We're gonna keep this to <laughs> Anthony Hopkins. Thirty-nine percent, sixty-two percent audience. I. Thirty-nine percent critics. Yeah. So, really, sorry, there's a picture of me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that's fair. I think that's it's definitely, like, a good movie. It's a movie to see. It's not a great movie. It's a great movie to see see if you've seen Silence of the Lambs. You sure. don't need to see Hannibal to see. No, yeah, if I was going to go, yeah. 
Definitely. to see Red Dragon. Not yeah. at all, you know. If you just, if you want to stick to the films. And for funsies, I'd still say watch Silence of the Lambs, then Red Dragon. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, it, it doesn't work the other way. I don't believe it works the other way. Well, I mean, one could, like, it doesn't work the other way, but one could, like, I could see someone making the argument saying, since it's not as good of a film, like, maybe you'd enjoy it more if you watch it first. I guess, but I, I mean, but I, I, I think what's more fun is because you kind of know. No, because things. the callbacks are a big yeah. thing in in Red Dragon. Yeah, it, it's an important thing because yeah. then there's not there's so many tongue in cheek like wink wink nod nod things mm. that it's definitely better to see Signs of the Lambs first. So rec- definitely recommend Signs of the Lambs, but not a Hoffman film. Yeah, definitely recommend Red Dragon. And from everything I hear and from the little episodes that I've seen, it's definitely a show I want to see. To just, I want to definitely binge watch. Uh, I was gonna call it Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely want to see Hamilton if anyone has yeah. tickets. <laughs> I want to. I definitely want to binge watch the Hannibal series. Yeah. Like from everything I've seen. Got Larry Fishburne. Our guy, Larry Fishburne. It's definitely a series I want to catch. Um, on like binge watch. I saw like again a couple episodes in the first season, but yeah. Hoffman's performance. You disagree with those critics? You thought it was good? Yeah. I, I mean, it's a small. Simple character, but I think he did the best with it and had had a f- fun. Again, that the the scene that we played for you, you know, was a nice, meaty, fun. Like I, I just imagine that being like a fun scene and him being like, "I'm going up against like Ray Fiennes, like glue me to a fucking chair." Like, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean that's Red Dragon. Um, definitely check it out. Brian, uh, anything new going on with you? Uh, oh, I was just a guest on one of my favorite cageclub.me, that's cageclub.me podcasts. Cage club. Cageclub.me. <laughs> podcast, yeah, uh, Wistful Thinking. Wistful Thinking, I'm hoping to be a guest on that in the future. Yeah, definitely, it, it was a blast. What did you guys talk about? Wishbone, an obscure PBS TV show about a Jack Russell Terrier Hey, what's books. the story? What's the story, Wishbone? I was a little disappointed with re-watching Wishbone, not gonna lie, <laughs> but it was a blast. Thank you, Kara. Thank you, Jordan, for letting me be on that show. Yeah. Check it out at cageclub.me, as we've been <laughs> repeating over and over again, and all the other That's places. That's cageclub.me. Any place our podcast is available. If you're listening to us now, you can also listen to Wistful Thinking on that same on platform. On cageclub.me. Yes. Or any platform. Yes. iTunes. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Google Play, Stitcher, all those things. Yeah. Definitely check it out. And check out all the other great shows on cageclub.me. .me. Um, so next week we have... As we said, 25th Hour. 25th Hour. Yes. Um, Spike Lee film. Linked good. here. So we're working on a guest. It's not finalized yet. It's not but, finalized yet. Yeah. But uh, definitely tune in. As yeah. always, like, listen, share, subscribe. Tell your friends. Leave a comment, like we said. Um, leave yeah. a review on iTunes, because apparently that helps an algorithm. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, That's what guys, I've heard yeah, on, hit up, hit up, hit up iTunes. Unfortunately, iTunes is very selfish and doesn't tell us things, so we don't know how many listens we have That's via Apple that. Apple for you. Oh, it's still, I'm an Apple guy, but I mean, I know we do. I <laughs> Anyway, but uh, I mean, besides all that, stay uncool. Stay uncool, Hoff fans.
sex of things, sex of things, you. I believe in miracles. 